Good morning and welcome to the Volley Nerd Podcast. This is your host, Davis Ransom. And today on the podcast, I am super stoked to welcome the assistant coach for UCLA men's volleyball, the legend, John Hawks. Thanks so much for being here today, coach. Absolutely, Davis. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to be here and talking to you. And um, I, legend, that just means I'm old, I guess, huh? <laughs> Well, you've done a lot. You've done a lot in this game, man, and you're still grinding it out. And I'm really honored because you were my first coach ever in volleyball, like <laughs> literally on the freshman team at Edison High School in Huntington Beach. That's where I uh, met you, and I was just a little 135-pound scrub. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I loved volleyball, man, ever since then, I swear. Well, yeah, I, it, you were a lefty, you jumped well, you had a nice arm, so that was, uh, that was fun to coach you. <laughs> awesome, man, yeah. And that was, it's just a blast because I swear, like, since then, I've loved volleyball and I've gone on to just continue coaching and being involved in the game. You've definitely been, you know, immersed in the game and at a really high level. So today we're going to kind of talk about how to compete and win at the highest level and you have done this basically at every level you've been at now you're at ucla but you've been at a lot of different high level programs and institutions so before we start would you mind just letting everyone know a little bit about your background oh man okay uh well you first started yeah i mean i i you know when i left high school i I got asked to coach um, by the late great Dave Mose, uh, who asked me to coach uh, the freshman girls team at Edison my senior year of high school. Oh, wow. And then, um, I mean, volleyball is just as it's like you, it's like a passion, you know? So for me, it was like, it was easy. And, um, and then you run across great kids that play multiple sports. And I think that's a big piece of, of, you know, something I did growing up that I, I loved when kids played multiple sports like yourself and mm -hmm. um, tons of other kids, because I felt like that made you, you talk about competition, but that made coaching so much easier for me because kids figured out how to win in, in different sports and different environments. But um, I digress. But um, yeah, so I started Edison and then went to Santa Margarita and moved down to San Diego and coached some junior college there and coached at UC Irvine, Long Beach State, USC, um, now at UCLA. I ran a, uh, a volleyball academy of sorts in um, Cleveland, Ohio, and then coached a girls team out there and won a national championship with them. And um, I, I've just been so lucky, you know, and then you know, all the USA stuff, you know, you grind through the years of, of working tryouts and paying your dues. And, um, I certainly paid my dues with all those things. And I got an opportunity to coach, uh, um, God, I'm trying to think of who, um, who the coach was that fell out, but I got asked to coach the junior national team to go to the world championships. It was my first my first time coaching a team and I go to the world championships in Morocco and that was coaching. Wow. Yeah. Coaching Matt Anderson and Max Holt and, um, uh, wow. playing yeah, against Mazursky, you know, and you know, we, we ended up, we ended up taking, I want to say seventh place, but, uh, kind of another side note of that story is I'm working with now at UCLA, Spencer McLaughlin, who, um, was on that team, you know, so I'm, I'm coaching with a player that I used to coach, which is so cool to me. And, um, yeah, so I coached the junior national team there and then I got home and a day later I went and coached the world university games team with Alan Knight and we ended up winning a bronze medal there. And the following year I coached the youth national team again. And, and then, um, Got it. I mean, they, they all kind of blend together now, but it was like Pan American Cups and World University Games and Junior National Team. Mm -hmm. um, 
Like, didn't you win one with the youth national team? One with the youth national team, we ended up winning the Norseka, um, okay. the qualifier. So we won gold medal, I think, every year that I coached. Uh, we won the gold medal. Um, but the with the junior national team, when I coached, my, my outside hitters were Taylor Crabb and Taylor Sander. Wow. And our setter was Mike Christensen. Um, Goodness. Yeah, we had a nice team. And uh, <laughs> yeah. we went to Brazil and ended up taking fourth in the world. And it was the best the U.S. has ever done. Um, so cool. Yeah, it was a blast. And um, so I, I don't know, like that, that I went from that to coaching. So Alan Knipe, I'm with him at Long Beach State. He gets the national team job and says, hey, I need you to the summer because he really didn't have time to fill a staff. So I stepped in and coached with the national team with – in 2009 and that's when we're coming off the gold medal so it's like david lee and and uh rich lamborn and i mean just clay stanley was on the team and tom hoff it was just such a really cool experience for me to be a part of that so i've just kind of like you know been i guess i've been super lucky and fortunate and um you know everyone i've got a chance to work with i just love so um, currently with John Sprawl, who's coaching the national team now. So I just feel like I'm in just been in a really good place. Well, and you've, and it's, it sounds like, and I know you too, but you've paid your dues as well, right? So you've, you've definitely put in the work to get where you are, but man, what a list of names of people that, that you've worked with. That is so incredible. I mean, from a player standpoint to a coaching standpoint, that is just remarkable. So you like, you're soaking a high level of volleyball every year that you do that. Yeah. You, you know, I, I, my first real, like, you know, I coached seaside down in in San Diego and, Mm -hmm. um, in club. And then my first real college job, I think, you know, really was about, um, um, I left San Diego. I'm back down in orange County or back up in orange County again. And, uh, I'm coaching Balboa Bay and John Spraw's coaching for SCVC, I think, or LAC, whatever it was back then. And uh, he, our teams never played each other, but we were both pretty good. And uh, they ended up losing somewhere in, at JOs and we ended up um, finishing, I think, that year third. But uh, he calls me up and he, he gets the job from UCLA, he goes to Irvine as his first head coaching job. And uh, I had a full-time job working at Cardiac Science, making automatic defibrillators. And he, he thought I was a teacher. So he goes, oh, there's no way that I'll leave a teaching job. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going there to talk to him about kids I had on my club team so that he can recruit him to Irvine. Uh-huh. And uh, he, he ends up offering me the job in like five minutes. And uh I went back to my boss and I'm like, Hey, can I switch my hours? And I ended up getting off of work at one 30 and then going right to Irvine and coaching college. And that was just so fun. And that was my first introduction to John Spraw. So wow. I worked with him at Irvine for four years and then, um, left in 2007 and then came back and have coached with him since 2015, I think it is. So, yeah, so it's, Really cool, man. That is so awesome. And and you've you've been ready to go to places that are going to make you a better coach, it sounds like. Like you've been ready to take that opportunity if it's there. Yeah, I think the, the challenge of, you know, taking a program that, you know, Irvine at the time was, was and there's no disrespect to anybody that was there, but they just were – they were kind of the doormat of the conference. And um, that first year we got there, we go, okay, we're going to add swing blocking. We're going to add, um, we, we added the BIC. We were really the first college team to start running the BIC, you know, and that maybe that was our second year. Um, but we just did some things that the program hadn't done prior and uh, quickly went, I think it was our first 10 matches. We went our first 10 matches and we're number one in the country. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of easy. 
it wasn't i was kidding at the time but i'm like he was like i mean we're like we beat ucla we beat pepperdine we'd be these teams that were very very good and then four years later we're in the final four you know it's like it just the the turnaround was something that you could write a book on you know and um being a part of it was just incredible that's so cool yeah. yeah I was a I was a UCI fan because I you, I went to Irvine Valley Junior College, so I'd always yeah. watch the UC Irvine matches. And yeah, I mean, I was a fan before they were good, but to see them get really and that when I say they before they were good, they were always you know a pretty good volleyball team. It wasn't you know it wasn't like they were mm-hmm. you know uncompetitive, but relative to winning a championship, it just was not necessarily all that realistic right at the time. But to see that growth to win a national championship was incredible that seriously you're right that is that's like legendary stuff so that's super cool and inventing the BIC not inventing I'm not you know but I'm kind of exaggerating but you know what I mean like bringing that to the to the college game you know bringing the swing block in and really making that and those are things that are just legend like they just do everyone does it now well, it's, I, I don't want to say, I, I had nothing to do with inventing it. Let me just, I'm going to clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, John Sparrow had this thought that I want to say it was 2000, God, maybe four or five. And we had Jason Jablonski on the team and he tells the story much better than I do. But we we wanted to figure out a way where we could set him the ball six rotations instead of three. And it sounds ridiculous now because everyone's doing it. But uh, we just kind of put our heads together. And John was really the master behind it. And I, I really, you know, he's like, hey, let's do this. And that's how we're going to train it. So I got just kind of the, you know, the the ground floor of really – all the things that didn't work, all the things that worked. And, um, you know, swing blocking was something that had been, a lot of teams have been doing it. Irvine wasn't at the time. Right, right. But we introduced it to some great athletes and um, these guys could do it. You know, shoot, it was just such a fun experience riding the vans with the guys and, you know, dreaming up like, you know, I remember – a freshman that came in same time I got the job and he, uh, Paul Spittle. And he's like, okay. he's like, coach, he goes in, in four years, let's win a national championship. Let's go to the final four. And we did, you know, it's just, yeah, it was just such a neat, neat experience. Something that you just don't, you know, you don't, I don't know. Like I haven't been able to replicate, you know, been to the final four a couple other times, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it was magical. It was awesome. That's so that's so cool. And I mean, one of the things that has been a sort of a part of your career all the time is just playing at a high level, right? You want to play at a high level and, and you coach teams that are competing at a high level. So I think you're a great guy to talk about this topic of basically what are some of the things that make a difference? for competing at the highest level. And, and I know that question is super broad, right? Like we're doing like a, you know, a mm-hmm. podcast, like that's probably more like a lifelong learning discussion type of thing. But I was just hoping you could share some of, you know, what you think on this with people, because you have so much experience when you were listing off your bio, you're like, I was at Edison. I was at Santa Margarita. And I mean, you were there, but you were like, undefeated at santa margarita at one point like the whole season (laughs) right so it's not like you were just there like you were really killing it you know what i mean i would just love to pick your brain on a couple things so i mean does anything pop out to you with me just saying that yeah i think you know it's funny when you think about like okay how do you compete at the highest levels and it's it 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 comes with athletes that are competitive themselves right so i mean i i grew up i played football soccer baseball volleyball you know so i i did as many things as i possibly could that my parents allowed me to do and um and i think it just ingrained in me like like how to figure out different ways to win and different ways to compete against you know better bigger taller athletes right Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, 
Um, I, I wasn't the most gifted guy out there, but I'll tell you what, like I wear my heart on my sleeve and I want players to do the same thing, you know? And um, so for me, it was like, I, I like being the underdog. I like being the guy that, that, that is, is knocking down the, 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 the number one seed. I love that. And so I think what I'm thinking about, like teams I've coached and, you know, some guys like Taylor Crabb is, is probably the biggest competitor that comes to mind. Um, when I was coaching the junior national team, he, uh, you know, at the time he was, you know, six foot, six foot one. And, you know, the, the rumors out there were that he was going to be a libero in college and this and that. And I'm like, this guy's one of the better hitters I've seen. He's going to hit for me. So I had him and Taylor Sander as the outside hitters. He ended up winning the best attacker at the North Seca Cup, um, being six foot, you know. And, uh, you know, I think about, like, how we trained. And we just did everything we did was about competition. You know, we'd play cornhole. And uh, we happened to be training in Ohio. And uh, it was me and Brad Keller where he was my – he was the assistant at the time. And – it was Taylor Sander and Taylor Crabb were against us in cornhole. And we must've played, uh, we must've played 300 games. And, uh, it's awesome. And, yeah. And we're probably, you know, 150 to 150, you know, like it was just that even. Right. And, uh, you know, we'd be driving the vans back and forth 10 miles down the freeway. And it was like, who's going to get there first. And, um, <laughs> you know, we, we never broke the speed limit. I, yeah. I'm going to say that now, <laughs> but, but it was like, it, it just, everything was a competition. So I think if you bring that to your gym, then it makes the competitions during the match plays so much easier. And then this, this is such a complicated subject because it's, it's also about discipline and being on time um showing respect to your teammates recognizing when your teammates do something really well and playing selfless and um if you can learn to train your teams to play selfless and recognize all that's good in their teammates then it takes the pressure off that individual and i think for me i stress that in coaching my teams is is really just to play for the guy next to you. And, um, you know, whenever uh, I've had some, some tough discussions with kids about like, Hey, why aren't I starting? Why aren't this? And I think those questions are all great. Um, but it's steering them to understand that the decision that's being made is for the best of the team. And when you get your opportunity, go out and show the, the I, I'm going to use the world, but go show the people that how hard you work and that you deserve to be out there. Right. You know, so I think that just kind of bleeds into just kind of how do you, how do you get the most out of your team? And it's, it's really hard. And I think it's pushing the right buttons and it's understanding like the makeup of the psychology of a player. Uh, I don't know. I think some reason I think I've done that pretty well as I've just understood like, Hey, this guy's ready to go, and you make the call, and then they go shine. And um, yeah, so it's. I, I know I'm not answering your question. Maybe you can. No, that's that's a great start for sure. And like, like everything starts with competition, you know. And and there's so many things, and I'm gonna kind of go down this list and see um, what you think about certain things and and how you might apply these things. So like. In terms of fitness, let's just start right there because it seems like at the highest level of men's volleyball, and and by fitness I don't necessarily mean they can play a long time. I kind of mean they they're explosive, you know, all this stuff. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about? I mean, you you went with Taylor Crab, who's undersized, but he clearly was able to make the difference. So mm. what are some things you look for in terms of that fitness slash explosiveness at the high level men's game? 
Yeah, you want guys that can jump well, you know, and and it's funny is way back then it was like if you touched 11 feet, that was great. You were like you you had a few guys in your team that could do that. And nowadays we've got I mean, I look at our UCLA team, we probably have. We have guys at 11, 9, 11, 7. We've got guys that touch 12 feet. Um, Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's, yeah, there's guys on college teams. I want to say probably on every college team that touches 12 feet. There's somebody. That's um, crazy. It's insane. <laughs> so yeah. when you think about when you think about fitness um, or explosiveness, so, uh, yeah, you look for long arms and ability to get off the ground fast. And you think about, like, Taylor Sander and Taylor Crabb and um, – like Matt Anderson had these just long levers, right? So you just look for, you look for athletes that have sort of these same, I don't know, characteristics or, or traits physically that um, you've seen before, you know? And, and when I coached, when I first started coaching with, with Spra, I go, Hey, tell me what you're looking for. Like, cause I didn't know, you know? And, mm-hmm. I think if you're a new coach, that's, you don't know what to look for. Right. Mm-hmm. So, cause I, I didn't have this wide breadth of experience to, you know, internationally or that, any of that, I was just like, okay, I coach high school and club and I have a good club team, but that's all I know. And, uh, <laughs> I remember going to the gym and I go, tell me what you're looking for. And he goes, I want this, this, and this, and that's like jump well, fast arm, and we'll train the rest, you know, good ball control, all those other things, obviously you want. So I remember going, God, who am I looking for? And I, I ended up seeing Jason Blonsky and I bring John over and I go, I go, how do you like him? And he goes, I love him. <laughs> so <it's> after, <laughs> after a few mistakes I'd made, but, uh, I, we ended up committing Jason Jablonski probably a week later. And then, and then David Smith, who's still with the national team, he ended up coming into that same class. And, um, you know, David had this incredible – he was a soccer player as well, but David had this incredible ability to get off the ground and hit with with great range. Um, but we ended up picking him up. And I think you just, like – you just start feeling, like, as you're watching kids, you go – that's it. That's not it. And now there's no perfect science to it. And we make mistakes all the time. I do, but you know, I like to think that we're getting better and better at it over the years. So, so you kind of tend to look for guys that have similarities to other guys that have been successful over the long term. Yeah. You know, Taylor Crabb was, was a guy with just his incredible fast arm and, and, uh, and I knew his style of play would be successful at that level. I just knew it. And he can control the ball with a jump serve. And, and uh, you know, now guys are hitting the ball, you know, 65-plus miles an hour. And oh, yeah. uh, we've got guys hitting the ball 70, you know, we had guys 77, 78 miles an hour. Oh, um, it's, it's incredibly hard. The idea is getting guys that have great hand contact, um, the mental um, capacity to be able to go in the gym and still want to get better at something. And um, you just have to, you know, it takes a lot of conversations, but uh, through recruiting, but you find those guys and your, your program's blessed after that. That's okay. So that leads me into the next question. Um, being at UCLA, it must be different than being at UCI in the early years. Like, do people come to you now because it's UCLA? Like, or are you, and, and I know it's both, but is, is there the blessing of having more people go, look, I want to go to UCLA because of the tracker that tracker mm. they have there. Are you getting that there? Yeah, it's, 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 it's not hard to find people that want to go to UCLA and play volleyball. So it's finding the right people at UCLA. You're getting high academic um, achievers in the classroom. You're getting 
guys that want to compete and win national championships. You're getting kids that want to go to UCLA for all the social aspects of living in Westwood and going to football games and going to the basketball games and play pavilion. So there's a, there's a lot of really cool things there at Irvine. It was at the time you were going there to play volleyball and be a professional volleyball player. So that was really cool. Um, so it was different. We had to convince guys um, like, Hey, trust us, like trust what we're building. And, uh, and those few guys that did um, ended up winning a couple national championships, you know? So it was, it was great. And Irvine was, I'm super happy with where they are now. And mm. I love competing against that program, but at UCLA it's, it's definitely, um, you know, getting guys that, uh, live and breathe volleyball too, you know, as well as wanting to be a surgeon or wanting to be a computer science engineer or whatever. Uh, yeah. It's, there's, it's hard, you know, it's really, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Um, but it's, I'm not, I'm not, you know, crying over it. It's, it's honestly, it's like, <laughs> I love coaching yeah. and recruiting at UCLA because we're getting, I think we're getting some really really great kids and uh we'll get over the hump at some point here oh yeah and i mean that i think just having that opportunity to recruit that type of kid must be just something special in itself yeah you walk into a gym with the ucla logo and everyone knows it you know it's a worldwide brand so um you know they they uh, i hope i don't make them nervous by them being behind the court watching them but I'm sure it does, you know, because it's, it's gotta be stressful on these kids when they see college coaches sitting there. But for me, I have a blast and, uh, and I love it and all the history and great tradition that's been through UCLA that laid the groundwork for, for me to follow and kind of live up to. It's been, it's been just such an honor. That's so cool. And, yeah. and I think one of the things that stands out to me, now and and tell me if you agree with this is there's a lot of good teams now and i mean there i don't mean that with any disrespect to the older <laughs> generations because that's when I, I was playing too i mean not nearly at that level but you know what i mean there's just so many good teams now you got concordia playing really good volleyball you got uc san diego's playing really good volleyball i mean i just think there's more quality teams now would you agree with that yeah, there's a lot of players playing the game that are that just don't have like UCLA is not taking. We don't take 50 guys on the team. Right. Um, and those players that 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 don't go um, or that were going to UCLA at the time are now spread out. You're right. I mean, Grand Canyon's good, and Grand Canyon. and uh, and Pepperdine's good, and Long Beach State Pepper. is obviously good, and yeah, um, Northridge. I mean, the, so you're right. You're a hundred percent right, and that's just on the West Coast. And then you got Ohio State and Penn State and George Mason and Princeton, and I mean, uh, you're a hundred percent accurate with that, Davis. That's so interesting because because now instead of having a couple of tough matches each season, every match is going to be tough, right? And that's that's awesome, right? It's iron sharpens iron, but it's also a, a grind, right? Instead of having to gear up for one team, you know, like the, it was always UCLA versus USC or, you know, UCLA versus UCI once they, um, but now it's like every match you got to be ready to go. It's just pretty, it's pretty cool. It's, I mean, as a competitor, it's what you want, man. Like, you know, going in against somebody's best and, and, you know, trying to game plan and figure out what they, you know, watching film and, and then creating a game plan for your guys to go follow is like when you're playing two tough matches a week, it's mentally exhausting, but it is so fun. It's a blast. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. And I mean, top notch, top notch matches, top notch volleyball all the time. That's yeah. super cool. So that, that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you is clearly you are a person with high expectations. I might say super high expectations. Mm. So what's it like being and being around people that have those super high expectations? 
it's it's uh it's what we all want you know um you know we have you know mike ma was a great example of this where he'd just be in the gym and he constantly wanted to watch video and study himself and study his opponent and um we have a lot of players and i don't mean to just mention him but there there's so many guys i know around the country that uh are are like that so for me um being surrounded by you know john Spraw, who is you know, we call him the mad scientist you know he's constantly thinking about what we can do to improve our team and uh and every coach is like that but like if i showed you some of his whiteboard um he he's like it's it's notes after note after question and he's always questioning himself too about like okay how can we get this guy a little bit better how can we do this what can we do in a drill that makes our team better systematically or one player individually better um but we're we're working at it i mean <laughs> we we started running a 62 a few years back and ended up taking a team to the final four, running it with Hagen Smith and Micah Ma. Mm -hmm. Um, But we ran that for two years. It was probably towards the end of the second year. We were still thinking of ways that we could do things better with that system. Mm -hmm. And um, we never perfected it. You know, Um, we ran into some good teams and, uh, you know, the challenge when you're running a six, two, you're getting half the reps, you're, you know, your setters are getting half the reps. They have to also hit in row one twice. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there's so many challenges that we're faced with that, mm-hmm. but when you're with people that want to kind of just, I don't know, uh, compete at the highest level or get the most out of what you're doing. It's like, you just, you just grind. And, and I think for, for me being surrounded by everybody is exactly what I want. You know, I being, being surrounded by people that are exceptional and challenging and that's where I've been lucky. And I just feel like it's, it's what every coach I think would want. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And can I ask, is there ever a degree of pain associated with that high level of expectation? You're grinding. It's so hard. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Is Yeah, the pain the pain is in the loss, you know, like right. when you so I've had I've had a few Final Four experiences and they've all ended by losing by two points or three points in the fifth set. You know, you get, gosh, Max Holt um, aced us in the fifth set in 2006 at Penn State. That was uh, an incredible story. The lights went out in the gym, 20-minute delay, then lights come back on, and Max Holt aced us to win it. It was one, one play after the lights came back on. Wow. And then... 2015 I think it is we lost to Ohio State and Nick Scherzen he was a college player of the year at the time mm-hmm. um aged a libero in the fifth set at 15-13 uh or 14-13 to win it and then yeah so so you're right I mean the pain is in the loss in that moment when all your hard work you you put into it and you watch the players just do everything they can and to see them not succeed. That's the pain. Um, I had a, a player in a hallway ask me after that, that loss at Penn state, he, uh, he's bawling his eyes out in the hallway of the hotel and it's probably three hours after the match, you know, so we're talking like two, three in the morning now. And, uh, I just went out there, hugged him, sat in the hallway next to him, listened to him cry. And, and he asked me a question. He's like, why did God make me fail on the biggest stage? And, uh, 
that's a pretty pretty heavy question and yeah. uh and my answer i don't know how i i just said because he thought you could handle it and oh, oh, i love that you know it honestly just i don't know how it came out of me but um i i said that and you know he cried again for another half hour or so and wiped his tears went to bed and then he'd get up and try to do it the, for the, the next season, you know? So yeah, there's a lot of pain. Yeah. Cause not physical pain. It's emotional pain. Yeah. Well, so, and that's what I was going to say is like to some people have done it, right? You guys have made it to the final four. Awesome. But to you and to the other high achievers around you that have set their high expectations and set their goals to be even higher dynamic that a lot of people don't talk about is you know even at the highest level you deal with is really interesting to me and it's critical <laughs> right. you know it's funny davis story just this might be going back to when i coached you um you know as a young coach i was what 21 21 years old coaching you and i think and i remember this we were at edison it was the third set because he obviously only played the three. Right. Yep. And, and I think I called a third timeout that gave the team a point and we lost the match. Oh. And, and I remember, um, I remember walking up into the stands because coach Mose was there and, uh, Dave was such a great mentor to me that, um, he he watched me do it he didn't get mad um i was devastated i remember talking to you guys maybe it was your team i i don't remember but i i remember apologizing to you guys going i blew it i'm sorry um i don't know how i didn't get that right um but i remember walking up in the stands i talked to dave and he goes i'm like dave i blew it and he's like well will you do it again? And I'm like, absolutely not. And I've never done that again, you know? So I think it's, yeah, that pain of making mistakes and we've all done it. You know, you, you, you cut a kid and, or you sub a kid out and um, it's not the right move. And uh, you feel like those decisions or a lack of a decision, you don't sub somebody out that should have come out. Um, uh, yeah, that, that pain sticks with you for a long time. And I've had those moments growing up in coaching and, you know, fortunate that there've been people that allow me to make those mistakes and learn from them, you know, because I think that's how we all grow as coaches, right? Absolutely. It's really to hear you say that because you've been so successful and you have felt this pain that we all feel, whether you're that's winning right. You know, and, and there's, right? Like I coach club and I feel that pain similar to the way that you feel the pain, even though I'm not coaching final fours of the national championship or on that big, huge state, but there's a similar effect, right? Like, yeah, well, you, the, but those moments are, are your final fours, you know, and those kids final fours and um, it's all relative, you know, like, yeah, it might be on a bigger stage, but that doesn't really matter. It's still you still feel the exact same thing that 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 somebody else feels, you know. And um, yeah, it's that that's what's that's what I think makes coaching really cool is is being around and seeing incredibly great kids. And no situation I think is the same, you know. Like you've been in similar situations, and you go, okay, I, I remember that how I did it that time and I'm not going to do it this time or I am going to do it because it worked. And just because it worked doesn't mean it's going to work again. So you might make a mistake and go, Oh my God, why did I do that? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. So I think you just keep learning from it, right? That's a big thing. So I, I'm, I totally appreciate you saying that, which is, that's awesome. So yeah. can I, just shift gears a little bit and talk about the skill acquisition aspect of it at a, a big time program, a big time college program. Like yeah. I, the guys are incredibly skilled, right? And a lot of them come in 
good, obviously, because they're, you know, top recruits or whatever. But does everyone get the same treatment? Meaning, like, in ideally, would it be like everyone gets the fundamentals of passing laid out for them if they're if they're a passer? You know, um, everyone gets the fundamentals of blocking. Or how does that how does that work from year to year? Where you have guys that are more experienced playing with guys that are coming in new. Yeah, that's a great question. So, so it depends on the type of like or the timing of the year. So, like in the fall for us. Yeah, we go through a full, you know, fundamental circuit with the guys for, you know, four weeks where it's like, hey, we're working on everybody's passing. Our middle blockers are passing, our opposites are passing, our setters are passing the ball. And we go through this, this, so everybody's learning each skill. And, um, you know, passing is is such an important part of it. And then it's like, okay, obviously everybody's learned to serve sort of the same, you know, with, you know, how to develop accuracy and velocity and how to mix in um, different seams. So if we're hitting the center seams, then we're moving towards the sideline. And guys understanding the mastery of what their best serve is. So we're working towards that. Okay. And then it's really like, yeah, blocking technique. You know, we want our guys fundamentally doing the same things, but every athlete's a little bit different. So, yeah, you have to be willing to adapt a little bit. But, you know, defensive effort and all that stuff is that's just an expectation that we have that we're going to have. Right. So, yeah, I think that fall season starts out with a really heavy emphasis on fundamentals. but then shifts towards competition and, and as you start to compete in matches, um, your, your group tends to get a little bit smaller because it's the guys that are traveling tend to get more repetitions. The guys that are red shirting or that are your more developmental players are younger. They're still learning. Um, they're working with a coach on a side court and trying to get themselves up to speed so that they can, they can uh, contribute a little bit better. Um, Maybe come match time. Okay, cool. I was wondering, do you guys use the serving machine? Yeah. How, how, because I've heard mixed on that in terms of, obviously you're not going to get as much reading, but you, but, you're not going to wear out guys arms. Like how much do you guys utilize that? Is that something that is a big part of what you guys do? Uh, Yeah, it is. Um, It's you're, you're right in the sense that you're not reading the jump spin, but you're, you're getting the skill of the execution of defending or passing a ball that's coming at that velocity. Right. Mm -hmm. And with a three wheel jump spin, you can actually make the ball move towards you know, sideline or towards the seam and you can work on a player passing on his right side or passing on his left, or, you know, we don't use it to float ball. So it's all for us. It's about high velocity. Okay. And, um, and then it's working on two passers communicating on a, on a really fast ball to the scene. So we're working on very specific things but we'll do it in a circuit. So on one court, we'll have we'll have all our passers rotate through two other courts that they're getting live jump spin. Okay. And then they'll they'll rotate through the jump serve machine, and then go back to the court. That's a cool way of doing it. So they're getting the benefit of both. Yeah. I like yeah. that. And and or I'll just work with passers. And guys will go, we'll go like live serve, live serve. And then I'll go spin, 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 spin with the jump serve machine. So we're just getting more repetitions for the passer faster. Oh, I see. So you're actually working it within reps. So it's like yeah. live yeah. server machine, live server machine or, or yep. something like that. That's a cool way of doing it so that, yeah, you can get more reps in a shorter time. Yep. And and probably a little more consistency, maybe, especially when the guys are newer, I guess. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, but- I mean, you, you're right. I mean, they, with with error rates that are, you know, 
sometimes guys have, you know, 30, 40% error rate. Um, you obviously don't want that. So with a jumpstart machine, you're probably looking at maybe a, a 3% error, you know? Right. Um, so you're right. It's just about the quality, like a good rep with a good velocity. And, and really it's about the passer setting the angle. And then how do they deal with that speed of a jump spin? Um, cause we're getting it, you know, our jumps, jumpstart machine is probably at about, you know, we pump the balls up pretty hard. So we're trying to get the ball, the, the machine up to about 70 miles an hour. So it's, it's about that. That's awesome. So what do they do to take that much speed off the ball? Yeah. I mean, it's all about like maybe bent elbows when you're passing the ball. Like there's, there's some, some teams that train that internationally. Um, but it's arms out and it's being able to like cushion. And I, and we probably talked about it when I was coaching you It's like, okay, what do you do when you're catching a, a water balloon? You know, um, your arms are out and then you kind of recoil, you know, you're allowing your arms to give as you're making contact. So you're teaching guys how to do that and make the timing work. Right. It's really important to create that space between your hands or your platform and your hips. So, so, so for us, it's about understanding like the timing of that cushion and, um, and really, you know, you just, you get better at it by doing it. And um, so we try, that's where the machine comes in, you know, so you just develop uh, the machine, you just rep guys out and they figure it out, you know? Yeah. So, and I think it's it's interesting because if you haven't seen it, it just blows you up. You know what I mean? Oh, if, yeah. you, if you haven't seen that speed. So getting used to it's like going it's like going from the 60 mile an hour cage to seeing 100 mile an hour pitches in the Major League Baseball. Right. Yeah. You got to get yeah. used to the timing of it. Right. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. And because guys can do it. <laughs> that's the other thing. Right? But it's crazy. The players, the players nowadays are so much better than, than it was 20 years ago. You know, like they're just, they're trained much better at an earlier age. So they're coming to us with just a higher level of, of skill development, or they're just, you know, they're not the, the BIC's not foreign to them or swing blocking is not foreign or jump spin is not foreign to them. So, um, yeah, the game's in a really cool spot right now. That's really cool. So one of the things you hear from people is that all men's teams play the same. Uh, do you agree with that or no? Mm, there's a lot of there's a lot of copying. So so in some instances, yes. Um, but every team has their own identity. Um you know, and, and they're small little tweaks, but if you're a general observer, you're probably going to think that that most teams play the same, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So are you guys, because I saw when you had the Kofi kid there yeah. at UCLA, I saw you guys doing some really cool stuff with him and <laughs> trying to sort of innovate a little bit. Well, you're he's an athlete that I think he touched. He might've his max touch. At least when I saw was probably 12, six. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you got, (laughs) you got an athlete that can touch that high. You're going to try to get him the ball in as many situations as you can. So when we were in the national championship in 2018, he's a middle blocker that we set. We set him 42 times. Um, you know, yeah. so most middles are, are, you know, 15 to, you know, 10, 15 attempts. Right. Um, he had 42 as a, as a three rotation player. That's so, so awesome. Yeah, yeah. You found ways. You do. You, you set them a lot and we ended up losing in the final that year, Long Beach. Um, they had a great team and I thought we had a great team and we were up, uh, got some like 1914 in the in the fourth set to win it and uh yes yeah we we couldn't close it out but you know we we set kofi a lot of balls so um 
yeah, we ran them on goes. We ran them on reds, back ones, gaps, front ones, floats, drifts. I mean, all kinds of different plays. That's so cool. It's it's really would seem like that's fun when you get that type of athlete. That's just a like a paradigm shift in how you play. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but he was a freak, you know, he was just fun to coach. Yeah. But freak freak athlete, like just special. Yeah. And, and Mike Ma was very much the same. And I, I've said this before I coached him on uh, the national team last summer. We, we played in a big tournament with a bunch of guys and Mike was setting the team and we ended up beating Cuba in pool play and then lost him in the finals of the tournament. But um, Mike is like a video game where you kind of just like, you have a joystick and as you move the joystick and push the buttons, Mike, just does what you want him to do. And he is incredibly gifted. Um, just video yeah. game mode, video game mode with him. Yeah. I mean, that's so, so cool. That's, that's, I mean, you know, being at UCLA, that's what's been fun for me is coaching those type of athletes for sure. That's so awesome. Yeah. So do you guys use a sports psychologist there? Yeah, we actually um so when I came to UCLA, I took the place of Andrea Becker. Okay. Um and John hired her and she's phenomenally um she's she's one of the best at what she does. So she works with John on the national team now. But um, I took her spot and then we have a full time uh, person that works with us and her name's Dr. Kirchner. And she uh, she's been on our team now for about four years and um, has been just tremendous for our guys. That's cool. So how is the um, division of labor like with Coach Spara and you and the other coaches? Hmm. um john's very much uh he's not a micromanager at all so he goes hey let's do this and then he expects us to get that done in some (laughs) way some form or fashion so um i work with the offense um during match play so i i'm i'm in charge of our offense and and talking with you know, our setters or our offensive guys about how to beat the block or the defense or whatever. Spencer works on the defense. Um, so he'll do block D for the other team. And uh, it's really about like what their offense is doing against us. Okay. So, and then coach raw is really about, he'll talk to the setters um, a lot. And that's really, it's like a coach and a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I feel like for, for us, um, you know, during practice, we're all doing different things. So we don't specialize in I'm working with the passers or I'm working with the middles. Um, I've worked with the opposites, the middles, the setters, the outsides. I mean, so we all kind of just, you know, today, uh, you know, John, you watch the block today, Spencer, you work on watch the guys platforms. Um, and that'll switch, you know, so it keeps it fresh for us, but, um, yeah, I feel like, uh, Spraw has been awesome in that regard, really, uh, preparing us to either take over a program if we want, or, um, be in a position to lead any team at any point. Um, so that's so cool. That must be yeah. really empowering to, to have the head coach sort of green light you to be that involved in such a significant way. Yeah. And I think it, I think it, it also is, it's, it's, it helps the players too. The players don't, you know, pigeonhole you into going, Oh, why are you talking to me about the block? You're, you're the offensive guy, right. you know? So they, they, I mean, they would never do that. Um, our guys are, really respectful but um you know you might see that at a younger level with a with a coach if you're running that so um yeah it is it is empowering that's really awesome i was also curious about how you guys incorporate the video now i know everyone uses video these days but like what would how does that flow into your like practice series and scheme and stuff like that yeah we have a um we have a system in the gym that, uh, so our guys are getting immediate feedback 
during play. So we have a um, an image that we project on the wall in practice that's on a delay um, that I can set from anywhere from you know a one second delay to a thirty second delay, but it's about a 16 foot by 20 foot image. So it's a gigantic movie screen that we put in the gym. So our guys can see it easy. And um, so the, the first video piece is there in the gym during practice. So they'll make a play, they'll serve a ball, they'll run a big, they'll run a route as a middle blocker. And then they can turn and watch themselves do it. So the first key for us is really like, you know, if we say to a middle blocker, Hey, you're, you're too wide on that approach. Then he hears us say that. And then he looks up on the wall, watches it. And then he sees himself do it and goes, okay, that's too wide. Like he can then see it and then immediately go into the next route and try to fix it. I love it. I love that. So, so that's the, the first thing of video. And then the other part is we take practice. We'll upload practice into volley metrics. We'll write notes on practice and then guys get, tagged on those um can go and watch themselves and then they also our guys come into the office a lot or they were before covid right um right. but they come in the office and they spend time with us and go hey coach can we watch video 100 awesome. you know so it's they're doing it also at home um they're watching practice they're watching the matches at home um if we have upcoming opponents that will have guys that are assigned like, Hey, you're watching Long Beach. Hey, you're watching San Diego. Um, and then they'll come in and then they'll present what they saw to the rest of the team. And uh, cool. then we'll put, yeah. And then we put a game plan together and, and so they feel like they're a part of it and there's ownership there. I love that. I've, I never heard of that from a, from a high level program, but I love that because it's training their eye, how to coach. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, how to, how to, well, how to coach. Yes. But also how to, yeah. how to scout and how to, you know, all that stuff and just communication. Right. It, That's so powerful. Yeah. We say it all the time too. It's like, you know, like you don't really know it until you can talk about it, you know? Yes. And, yes. you know, so it's, our guys are invested in it. They, they love it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge during the academic year though, you know, when guys are right, especially in midterms or finals or something like that. So you, you we're conscious of those times, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really fun. And, and these guys are smart guys, you know, so they oh, come yeah. up with some really cool ideas. That's really cool. Yeah, man. What a fun environment to be in. You know, yeah. I, I had one more question real quick. I heard Coach um, Sparrow talk about creativity in play. Like when, you know, everyone kind of plays the same a little bit, but he believes that there should probably be a little bit more creativity and kind of thinking outside the box. So how yeah. do you guys sprinkle that into what you do? Uh, you just, you encourage it. You know, during play, you, you want guys to be creative and and you know, I think when he probably talked about that, we talked like he probably that might have been when we were coaching the six two because there's so much creativity in the six two. Mm-hmm. And with with Hagen Smith, you know, Sinjin's kid and Micah Ma'a, you you have two of the two really high level, high IQ volleyball players mm-hmm. that knew how to play off each other and that that creativity you know it's like it's like a setter jumping faking like they're going to hit the ball and then they set the go you know um that's being creative right so you encourage that as much as possible in your gym and um and there's probably some more coach there's some coaches out there that are a bit more rigid and it's like hey we're going to do this and we're and and that's okay too um but you're right. Sprawl likes that and we encourage it, you know, as much as we possibly can until it's a point when it's like, okay, that's a bit much. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. right. I mean, Brian, Brian Thornton, who's his assistant was with us at Irvine and he, uh, he used to tell me, he go, Hey coach, I want to try this in, in practice. <laughs> and it was setting the ball 
as high as he possibly could. He goes, Coach, they're going to think I'm setting a high ball to the outside, and it's going to hit the beam and go to the <laughs> to the opposite. And Matt Weber's going to come in and hit the ball. And I go, I go, look, man, just if you do it, make sure it works. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's a great one. Well, and I think another thing that you touched on there is relationships again. Right. Like yeah. if you want to be creative, you have to have that rapport with the people that you're going to be creative with, because otherwise it is just not going to work. Right. I think I think that's the one that's the one area that I think all coaches are, you know, you, you have so little time and you actually, you know, in college, you don't have as much time as everybody thinks you do. You know, you we're limited by 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's like video um it's everything but academics right so so we're like weight training practice and video let's just say in team meetings all has to be 20 hours a week and um yeah i think it gets to be a challenge to spend that time with your guys to develop those relationships and learn about you know how their family life's doing and and what's causing them stress out, outside the court um, we try to do, we try to meet with our guys a lot just to connect. And through those connections, you, you build trust. And, and then if some, a kid makes a mistake or we make a mistake or whatever, then you don't have this weird, unhealthy dynamic. It's like, okay, they kn- the coach knows that, um, or the player knows that the coach is, is, is constantly thinking about him in a positive way. So it's not this like, Oh, he hates me. Um, or he thinks I suck or whatever the case is. Um, it's coming from a good place and the players know that. So you're right. I mean, relationships are huge. And, um, the relationship with me and Spencer, um, and Spraw bleeds into how the players feel, you know? Um, and I think having that, that, positive coaching dynamic um really helps and uh you know i've been on some staffs where it's it hasn't been as easy to work with the staff and um you have arguments on the bench and and uh about you know you're trying to get the same thing done but you go we should be doing it this way and you know that that negative energy also bleeds into the players and uh you know so so we just focus on a lot of just you know being really tight and really close and um you know what if we make mistakes we hug each other and and you know do it better next time absolutely and if and if those players feel that support they will be more likely to try things that are slightly outside their comfort zone and be more creative. Right. So I love that. Like one of the, one of the ones I can think of is tooling, like, you know, side to side tooling, especially where, you know, you're essentially taking a risk that you're going to hit the ball out, but you're going to catch it, catch a tool, you know, in a, in a, in some situations, you're not always sending the ball out, but you know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. You got to kind of be courageous to do that. And no one really wants to do that um, until you get the feel for it. And then, they do so you need that level of support behind you say hey that's a good try you know or way to way to look for the hands or whatever it might be yeah yeah i don't know that's just one i can think of and then obviously i think at that level it'd be running you know real fast or running different combinations probably in uh transition or like in really rapid situations rapidly developing situations you know what i mean so that's... yeah, guys have to, you have to think fast and, and, you know, you have to just trust that, that your systems over time are going to, um, clean up a lot of that stuff. So yeah, for us, it's about, um, allowing our guys that freedom and that creativity to make mistakes, knowing that, that, you know, that when it comes down to crunch time, they've done it over and over and over and over and they know what it feels like to fail and they know what it feels like to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great point. So 
man, so much great stuff. Is there anything that you'd like to share with everyone before we get out of here? Maybe some tips for coaches who want to be great. Well, I think, I think, uh, you know, understanding today's kid nowadays, um, Mm -hmm. you know, back when, back when we played Davis, um, if you didn't hear from the coach, like no news was good news. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, And, and nowadays it's like, no news is bad news. You know, like they need to hear from the coach and they need to hear every reason why, and they need to, you know, have that connection. Um, And that's, you know, I like it. I think it's good. You know, um, I think there's some old school coaches that think that, that, you know, that's the kids not as tough or whatever the case is. Um, that's an archaic way of thinking, I think. So um, it's connections, it's developing relationships. And uh, yeah, and I think if you do that as a coach, then um, you're going to find success, um, whether it's women and men and some, you know, I think some coaches can cross over mm-hmm. um, and some can't because they don't know how to uh, connect emotionally with players differently, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, um yeah, I, I think there's, that's probably what I would leave this with Davis is I think that's probably the most important thing right now. That's so cool. Just really knowing who you're working with and developing that genuine rapport with yeah. your, your, the, your coaches you're working with, the players you're working with, and just everyone that's involved in the program, right? Yep. That's so cool. Well, man, coach, such great stuff. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, man, UCLA, you guys are on a mission and uh, what a great mission it is, man. What a track record of excellence and what a fun mission to be on. So it's just, I, I so appreciate your time and um, I appreciate what you've done for me, man. I, I've, I, you literally were my first coach and I was going to go to baseball tryouts, but I didn't <laughs> because I went to volleyball and I just fell in love with volleyball. And I swear, like I'm one of the people that loves volleyball. Um, I'm sure there's many more out there, but man, I'm just into it. And I know you are too. And I, and I thank you for that. Well, you're um, welcome. I, I feel like, you know, it's honestly like the mark of me as a coach and this is how I judge myself is, on how many of my former players get into coaching and uh and i'm glad you fell in love with it man and and i think volleyball is better because of you and uh and uh, again thanks for the invite man it was fun chatting with you and uh yeah if you want to do it again feel free to reach out man absolutely and check out coach hawks and his team and they'll be they'll be rolling into the season here pretty soon so thanks so much for coming on coach and volley on 